And so this year, our theme for our 21 days of prayer and fasting in the series here in January is blessed. And so we hear this word a lot. Uh, I've been an interest. It's been interesting to me here lately to realize and to, as I'm watching TV or just kind of engaging with the, the world around us, how much that I've been hearing. Uh, and I don't know if it's just, maybe I'm just catching it or maybe paying more attention to it as of here lately. But in the last few months, I've noticed how much words that have been traditionally used inside of the church have become more mainstream and have been used in our culture for things that the Bible doesn't actually mean that they mean. And so even in this word blessed is that we see that and we hear that traditionally when we hear or when we've used that word in the past is that it has been connected with being blessed by the Lord blessed by my relationship with God. But in our culture and in society, we see that this word is, and I'm going to use this word, it's being hijacked into being made to be used for something else. Is that today things are really being changed. And so the goal of this series is to bring God back into the blessed equation. Because people and society have tried to remove, and really they want the blessings of the Lord, they just don't want the relationship with the Lord. But the problem is, is that you don't get the blessings of the Lord without the Lord. You may get stuff, and we're gonna, I'm going to share a little bit with you today and about this. But, but you know, I believe, and, and, and here's the thing, is that God wants you blessed. God doesn't have one problem, and I'm going to show you a scripture here in a little while, about this with you being blessed. As a matter of fact, he wants you blessed. Why? Because how can you make a difference? How can you be a blessing if you aren't blessed? God wants you blessed. Why? Because we're called to make a difference, to leave an impact in the world around us. And so, you know, we, we hear it all the time where, you know, people accept rewards or maybe they win a trophy and they're like, oh, you know, and they'll use these various terms or different things that we hear. But we hear it from athletes and entertainers and those in the public eye of like, oh, I'm just, I'm just blessed. And, you know, even words like where we would call it faith, they would say, well, I, I've manifested now, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's actually new age. It is faith in God, except it's been perverted and twisted. And it's just saying, well, just through my good thoughts, my good energy. And it's, it's, it's really rooted in new age. And it's actually very dangerous. And it can have very damaging effects if we buy into it. If we move away from Scripture and really the, the principles that God has, has established in Scripture... And so I believe that, that things have been twisted or moved away from the original intent, even though we may hear it. And so one of the questions that I would have about this is that well, who's the one doing the blessing? And I think this is an important question because we can even we can actually become the source of our own blessing. And we can begin to lean upon ourselves and look to ourselves and trust in ourselves and depend on ourselves when the scripture says that that's not actually our responsibility is that our blessing comes from the Lord. And so, you know, inside of culture and some of what is being um, portrayed and communicated at a very large scale that we see is this, is that we, we have things where people would say, well, it's the universe and I'm just putting out good vibes or good energy into the universe. And, and so it's just rewarding me for what? For being positive. Like, the, you know, we have things like the power of positive thinking. And, and I do believe that there is some truth that we ought to think positive. Why? Because 
the Bible actually gives us great and precious promises on which we, which we can be positive about, but it's more than just good thinking. It's more than just manifesting a desire like, I want a new car, 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 go to work, right? <laughs> like, I mean, like, I want a new TV, I want, you know, I want this, I want this, and I'm just going to keep putting it out there, I'm going to keep saying, I mean, even what we would call, and I, and I know this gets a bit of a bad rap, but the Bible is full where it talks about and gives us instructions as believers as that we're to what? Declare the word of God. In the past, it's been, we've, some of us, I'll put myself in this group, have been part of the name it and claim it bunch. But it's funny that the world system now has just changed the verbiage, but now they're doing the exact same thing that they used to make fun of the church about. But see, when I stand upon the word of God, there are great and precious promises. One of those is that we would be blessed. And it's not some cosmic force out there in the nothingness of the universe that's just going to repay me for my good juju or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what you want to call it. Or maybe it's just, well, the, the world, the, 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 the universe is rewarding me just because I'm such a good person. I'm just nice and I'm just sweet. And no, we're blessed because of the love of God. Like, I mean, even when we understand scripture, I mean, the Bible tells us that, hey, we are deceitfully wicked people. <laughs> apart from Jesus, there's not a lot redeemable in us. And that's why we're so thankful that Jesus came and paid the price for us. Why? Because he loved us enough and came for us. And, and so, you know, if we're not careful, though, even as Christians, even as believers, we can fall into the trap of the culture around us. And we can actually begin to believe that we're responsible for our own blessing. That we're responsible for all of the good things that have come into our life. Maybe by our personality, our intellect, our hard work, our savviness, just because of, of our own wisdom. We've been able to figure some things out and, and to produce some type of blessing in our life. And the Bible actually gives us a warning and says, hey, when you get into your promised land, when you get into that place of blessing, don't forget it was the Lord who got you there. That's actually a warning in the Old Testament to us. I mean, let me say it very practically. It's easy to look to the Lord when you're broke. When you don't have anything, it's easy to be like, Lord, you're my everything. He is because you ain't got nothing. What about when you get some stuff? Is he still your everything? Is he still the source of your life? Are you still seeking him in the same manner and in the same way as you did when you had nothing? Because we sought him because we had to. Because we needed to. Right? And there's this propensity, there's this thing on the inside of us that will pull us away. And even culture is trying to fight to get us to what? To take on our own responsibility and to say, hey, I'm responsible for everything that I have. But it's just not the truth. Is that God wants to bless us and God wants to bless us immensely. Now, that doesn't mean that you need four houses and 10 cars and look, if God blesses you in that way, there's a purpose and there's a reason why. And it's not to have four houses and 10 cars and five boats.
If you have four houses and ten boats and whatever, praise God. I'm thankful for it. But God has a purpose for prosperity, for our blessing. In Genesis 12, he, he told Abraham, he says, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. So, so it's important that we understand this, that we know this. And now I, I realize some of you may be in here and you may say, oh, but that's not me. I'm not one of those blessed people. I'm that broke guy you were just talking about. Well, let me give you a little bit of context. And let's take a little bit of inventory. Because I believe that as Christians, many times that we can even take for granted many things. And so, because the truth is, is that we are exceedingly blessed. There's no doubt about it. So let me give you a few things to, to consider, to put on your radar. How many of you own just one Bible? Show of hands. You own one? How many of you own multiple Bibles? I have a shelf full of Bibles, not including the ones, probably the 30 that I have on this thing or more. And with the age of the Internet, we have access to thousands, hundreds and thousands of Bibles. If you own just one Bible, you're abundantly blessed. A third of the world doesn't own one. Remember a few months back when we sent Bibles to Iran, thousands and thousands of Bibles? For many of the people that will receive those Bibles, that'll be the first Bible they've ever held. And most of them will actually tear it apart, which we would be like, how could they do that? Because they're going to share it with all kinds of people. And then they'll memorize them and they'll trade them. Because they value it so much. And yet we just think, ah, just another Bible, right? If you woke up this morning with more health than sickness... You're more blessed than the million who will not survive this week. A million people will die this week. If you've ever or if you've never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment or the agony of torture or the pangs of starvation, you're ahead of 500 million people in the world. Think you're blessed yet? To live where you do and to enjoy what you have. If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back and a roof over your head and a place to sleep, you're richer than 75% of the world. And I didn't say your fridge was full. I just said if you have food in your fridge. Anything. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet or spare change in a dish somewhere. You're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you have a little cup where you drop change in at the end of the day, you're wealthy. You just don't realize it. When I went to Africa a number of years ago, there were some kids that would run up to the window and they were, you know, we were in a bus and we were commuting. There was about 12 of us. And there were these little kids that would come up with rocks. And they're like, Mr., 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 I'll sell you a rock. For a quarter. And of course, you know, it was the, actually it was the first time I'd ever gone on a missions trip. And I'm like, where's my wallet? Like, I'm going to give this kid 20 bucks. And the, the guy who was, that we had went with stopped me. And he said, hey, you can't do that. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? Of course I can. And, he, and, he, and he, this was a, a very seasoned minister who had been on the mission field. He said, if you give that kid $5, he won't live through the day. They will kill him for that $5. 
It blew my mind. Still does. A little kid trying to sell me a rock, and I'm like, I'll just give him five bucks. And he said, no, it, it, they'll, they'll hurt him to get it if they don't kill him. I mean, think about that. Think about how much money is probably just loose in your house, in some drawer somewhere that you forgot about. Might be a good idea. Spring clean. You might find some extra cash laying around. Here's another one. If you can read the words on these screens up here, you're more blessed than over 2 billion people who cannot read a word. You know, there's only 7 plus billion people on the planet and 2 billion of them can't even read. So you have education, you have resources, and I believe that it's important that, that we have to is that we have to keep in mind where our blessings come from. Is that we are blessed, we are exceedingly blessed in our nation. And I'm not trying to put you on some guilt trip. I'm really not, but I do want to give you perspective. Because it's easy to say, well, I'm not blessed, but you are. Whether you realize it or not, you are blessed. And so I want to talk for the next few minutes. I want to share with you some, some things about what the Bible has to say about blessing and where blessing comes from. And, and, and so for starters, let me just give you a scripture. Is that how do I know if God has blessed me? Because I believe that you can, be, you can live a very blessed life just because you're faithful to work, you're diligent with your money, you, you, and those are good things to do. But you're responsible for it. But I also believe that sometimes the devil, the enemy, will actually bring things in our life that look like a blessing, but in the end, they're not a blessing. I've shared many times that I bought a car one time that I knew that the Lord told me, just it, not like an audible thing, but just down in my heart, I was like, I shouldn't buy this car, but I'm a stubborn person. And I bought the car. I paid more fixing the car than I paid for the car. And it wasn't a cheap car. It was actually a car that Dara drove. And one day she was at a red light and took a right turn. And the transmission was just gone. <laughs> wouldn't go forward. Wouldn't go in reverse. Gone. 3500 bucks. That was just one bill. I still remember it. This was 15 years ago. I still feel the sting of that what I thought was going to be a blessing. It was not a blessing. It was a curse. When I traded the car and I drove it on a trailer to the dealership, that's no joke. I was just like, dear Lord, just take it. I don't, don't, you don't have to give me anything for it. Just take it, please. So let me give you the test if you want to know if God has blessed you with something or not. It's very simple. It comes out of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes a person rich. Now, that, don't think dollar signs there. Rich is, a, is really a, a prosperous soul, which does include finances, yes, but it's not limited to that. But the blessings of the Lord makes one rich. Let me use another word, makes one enriched. Your whole life, everything about your life is better. And this is the test. And he adds no sorrow with it. How do you know if God has blessed you? Simply put, there's no buyer's remorse. Have you bought anything lately and thought the next day, 
Why did I buy that? I shouldn't have spent that money for that. If I could return it, I would. Where's the receipt? What's the return policy on this thing? And what happens with the blessings of God is he actually says that I will add no sorrow with it. It's a blessing. It's a benefit. It's actually supposed to increase and enlarge and be a good thing. It's actually supposed to bring joy and happiness to your life. That's what scriptures say. And sometimes what can happen, just like happened with me when I bought that car, I wanted to buy that particular vehicle. Therefore, I have and was responsible to pay the bill to fix it. And sometimes what we can do is that because we're impatient, maybe I'm the only one in the room. I want to get out ahead of God and say, but I deserve this. Whatever it may be, I need this. My wife calls it lawyering up. Darrell, let me explain to you the 10 reasons why we need to buy this. And she's like, I ain't talking about it. You don't need it. I'm like, but I do. (laughs) I'm the spender slash saver. I spend it, but I save it so that I can spend it. (laughs) Let me say it another way. Give you another perspective of this. Is that when God brings blessings into your life, there's no strings attached. There's nothing coming down the pipe later where God says, hey, you remember that blessing? It's time to pay for it. God doesn't write IOUs, right? Or you owe me more specifically. But you know, it's funny that the devil does that. Sin does that. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but there is a price to be paid. And the enemy will bring things into our life and will try to get us to buy and to say, oh, this is a blessing from the Lord. Only we don't realize that there are strings that are attached to what we thought would be a blessing. And that's why we need, and it's so important to be able to hear the voice of God, to be able to uh, really perceive and comprehend the leadings of the Holy Spirit because everything can look right on paper and be dead wrong in the background. And on the flip side, I've had God do the reverse where he has brought blessings into my life and everything in the natural said, this is stupid. Don't do this. I've shared the story many times when me and Dara bought our first house. I thought this is going to make me go bankrupt. I couldn't sleep. I was worried. I was anxious, all kinds of things. But I knew the Lord had and, and really spoken to us multiple times to various ways about buying a house. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage, much less keep the lights on. My rent doubled into my mortgage and I was freaked out. But we lived in that first house for five years. We never once struggled to make the payment. We never once struggled to pay the utilities. We never once struggled to pay to get food. It was a blessing of the Lord. And that house was a great blessing to us for a number of years. But I didn't just go out and just go pick a house. I waited for the Lord to give us the right house. As a matter of fact, we had looked at the house that we bought two, about a, a year year and a half prior, I woke up one morning and I just felt like in my heart, drive by that house. It was about, I didn't realize it was only about two blocks from our rent house. And I drove by and there was a for sale sign. And I called my realtor and I said, Hey, can we go see this house? We were the first people to see it. We bought the house a month later. 
And it was a blessing to us. But there was no backside thing. It was a blessing from the Lord. And here's the thing. When the Lord blesses you, it's his responsibility to maintain it. It's on him. Why? Because there's no sorrow that comes with the blessing of the Lord. It doesn't mean that there's not trying times or that I'm saying that, that living a blessed life is somehow never with, with struggle or trial. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just telling you is that many times we want to do things in our own effort and say, well, God signed off on it. Time will tell. That's what I always think. When somebody's like, the Lord told me, and I'm like, we'll see. We'll see. Because give it some time and, and it'll prove itself out. If the Lord directed you to do this or do that or whatever it may be. See, sometimes we can actually take on responsibility and, and I'll just be, uh, which if you've heard me minister very much, you, I'm pretty open about this. I can be very driven. I consider myself a fairly driven individual. And I can take on the responsibility and we can, you know, we hear terms like, oh, this is my side hustle. And there's nothing wrong with a side hustle. If you've got one, hustle it out, whatever. That's between you and the Lord. But if we're not careful, we can actually take and, and begin to take the responsibility of even our own provision and say, I'm responsible. And I believe that there is a certain amount of personal responsibility that we do have to take. But at the end of the day, are you trusting yourself? Or are you trusting the Lord to take care of you? Go read Matthew 5. The birds don't work and God takes care of them. The lilies of the valley don't work and God takes care of them. You need to go to work. I'm not telling you. I mean, the Bible tells us that. But where is your trust? really in who are you looking to at the end of the day is your trust in in a number on a screen somewhere that tells you how much money you have because let me just hurt you a little bit here that money is losing value every day i just heard a, a statistic the other day that said if you had a thousand dollars in the in the 70s in the bank today it would take eight thousand dollars to buy the same amount of things that it would have now I realize that's 40 50 years ago but think about that. If your trust is in what you see in your bank account, it is losing value every day. So where is your trust really at? It can't just be in money. It can't just be in stuff. It, it can't just be in your job. If you put your trust in your job and then you, you get laid off or replaced by a computer, what are you going to do? We have to have our trust and our, our faith in the right place. Because the, the reality is this, is that no amount of hustle, no amount of our daily grinding, no amount of all of our effort can produce what the blessing of the Lord will. There's, there's no amount of what we do. All of our real blessings actually stem from our relationship, our connection with God. And many times we want to get out in front of God because we're impatient. And we have to tell ourselves no. I had a friend one time uh, use a phrase and it made me laugh. And he said, sometimes you got to exercise your no muscle. It stuck with me. I'm like, I've never heard that. That doesn't compute in my mind. What do you mean no? My mind says figure a way out. You can make it happen. Sometimes I need to tell myself no. 
See, many times what I believe happens and what, what will limit God really being able to pour blessings into our life is that we actually lack the character formation to handle the blessing. And God is more interested in our character and who we really are, not who we portray to the world we are, who we really are, than he is about um, just in us formulating more stuff. He wants to formulate some character formation. The book of 3 John chapter 2 tells us, Beloved, I pray, I wish above all things that you would, what? That you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, as your character prospers. God wants us to what? To experience provision, to, to really experience what he wants in us. And, and many times I have found that God has a process that he needs me to walk through to develop my character to sustain the blessing that he wants to bring in my life. That's why the Bible has principles and it talks about, hey, if you're faithful with little, God will make you ruler over much. If you can't handle $10, why is God going to give you $100? If you can't handle $100, why is God going to give you $1,000? If you can't handle $1,000, why is God going to give you $10,000? Why? Because he's looking for stewards. And that's just about finances. But there's lots of other areas when we're talking about blessed. It's not just about money. Money's the least important thing. Some of you are like, must be nice to say that. I've had money and I've been broke and I've been miserable in both situations. That's why I say it's not the most important thing. Some of the poorest people I've ever met in my life are also some of the happiest, most joyous people I've ever met in my life. And some of the wealthiest people I've ever met were some of the most miserable people I've ever met. I mean, it's the old phrase, money can't buy you happiness. It's actually true. You're like, no, but it sure does help. For a moment, everything new wears out and just becomes normal, right? See, we've got to learn how to be content. It's a dirty word, but it, it's. But when we learn to be content, God says, okay, now I can begin to pour out some blessings in your life. I can bring things into your life, but it stems from that relationship. It's, the, it's not from that uh, unnecessary or on want um, or the wrongly desiring of, of things in our life. But we just have to trust the Lord. Ecclesiastes 5 says this, says it's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. Let me reread that again. It's a good thing to receive wealth from God. And the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. This is indeed a gift from God. Now look at this last little script part of this verse. It says God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they have no time to brood over their past. I'm so blessed I don't even have time to worry about what happened to me in the past. God has blessed me so abundantly that that's all I can even think about. That my past no longer even matters. That I, you know, it's like the phrase, I'm, I'm too blessed to be stressed. It's actually scriptural. I mean, think about that. Think about if you were so blessed, spirit, soul, and body naturally, 
that your past, you're just like, it ain't even worth the energy to consider it. I am too blessed to waste my energy living there because I am blessed today. See, I believe that God's blessing comes in many forms. But let me give you one example that if you really grabbed hold of this, it would actually really change, could change your life. It's favor. You know, God can do more in a moment of favor than you will ever do in a lifetime of hustle. One relationship, one connection. I'll give you an example of this. My family was changed because of a moment of favor with one individual. My dad's a salesman. He sells oil field equipment. He's done it for pretty much my entire life. He started when I was about one years old. And for about 20 years, we lived a decent life. And my dad met one man who had a trucking company who just liked my dad for some reason. And that man opened up the largest drilling companies in the world to my dad. And in a moment of time, everything changed. Everything changed. Now, I was already gone from the house. I'm a little bitter. Y'all pray for me. I'm like, Lord, where was this when I was a kid? But uh, I was already out the house. And I look, if this was me personally, I wouldn't even tell you about it. But I can tell you that there was a certain number of years that my dad actually sold more equipment to the oil field. My dad by himself sold more equipment to the oil field than any other sales companies in the nation. He was selling in like 15 states, several countries. It's crazy. One relationship. And they started calling and asking, hey, who do you get equipment for? I only go to Jerry because he'll do right. It changed everything because of favor. You have no idea what favor would do in your life. You're one relationship away from your life being forever changed. And my dad would tell you, there ain't nothing special about him. He's a good old country boy. But I can say this is that my dad's pure hearted and I know that. But it took 20 years of formation for God to open that door of favor in his life. Because it took 20 years for him to trust the Lord the way that he needed to so that God could bless him the way that God wanted to. That's actually the first time I've ever shared that publicly. But it's the reality. And it's not just because of my dad being my dad or whatever. My parents love the Lord. They've been faithful to the church. I mean, yes, all of those things. But one moment of favor. You're like, well, I don't know if I believe it. Go look at Joseph in Scripture. Joseph had favor after favor after favor. And he went from being in the prison cell to being the second in charge only to Pharaoh that fast favor favor can do more for you in a moment 
But you've got to trust the Lord. I mean, the world will say, oh, you're just lucky. If there's a pattern, it's no longer lucky. If it's repeated, it's no longer lucky. Why? It's the blessing of the Lord. It is. It's the blessing of the Lord. And so what does that do? It gives you an opportunity so that you can actually share with people why the blessing has come. Well, it's the Lord who's blessed me. It's not me. It's the blessing of the Lord. And so it gives you an an opportunity to, to be able to be a witness for the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture if you've been around church very much. But in verse 5, it says that we're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Don't depend upon our own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do. Seek His will in everything. Should I buy this car? Should I date this person? Should I take this job? Should I do this? Should I... now? You don't have to ask, God, what kind of cheese should I buy at the grocery store? Grab some cheese and keep going, right? Don't hold up the line. Just grab your stuff and go. But when it comes to important decisions, I mean, like, let me just give you a practical example. What if somebody came to you and everything looked right on the surface and they say, hey, I want to hire you to take this new job. You need to move companies. You got to do this stuff. And the Lord tells you no. And you're like, yeah, but God, let me give you all the reasons. Let me lawyer up for a moment. I'm going to make more money. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get that. It's going to do this. And the Lord says, yeah, but somebody's about to retire and you don't know, but I'm going to put you in that position, which is actually better than that. But you wouldn't know that naturally. And the Lord may not even tell you that until it happened. You wouldn't even know it. But he'd just say, don't do that. Don't take that job. I know. I mean, look, my first two jobs in ministry, the first one, they promised me everything under the sun and gave me nothing. Big old nothings. The second pastor I worked for promised me nothing and gave me everything. I had crazy favor with him. This is no, I worked for him for seven years. He never told me no one time. Never. I had to make him tell me no one time. Because somebody asked me to do something. I said, pastor, I need to ask you a question. The answer is no. I just need you to tell me no so I can go back and tell them that you said no. And even when I asked him, he was like, I said, no, the answer is no. I don't even know if he ever, ever even actually said it. I said, I'm just going to tell him you said no. (laughs) I had crazy favor with him. I can't explain that. But we have to seek God's will. Why? Because he sees what we don't. And God knows what's a blessing versus what's going to be a curse. What's going to add to our life versus what's going to take away from our life. It says when we seek God's will in all that we do, he will show us which path to take. Which way do I go? I'm at a fork in the road. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? Which, which way, Lord? Show me. If you're in a situation like that, good news. We're kicking into 21 days of prayer. Seek the Lord and he will show you which path to take. In verse 9 of Proverbs 3, it goes on here and it says that we're to glorify God with our wealth, honoring him with the very best part with every increase that comes. And it says, and then, so if you do A, then you'll get B. Then every dimension of your life, 
spirit, soul, body, will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. When God blesses you, there is joy that comes with it. You might get self-satisfaction of something that you've earned and, and, and that you in your own mind deserve. But there's joy when God blesses you because you know I didn't earn it. You know you didn't deserve it. In Psalms 35, 27, the scriptures tell us that let them all say. Well, this is something that you can say and that you might need to say because you need to change the way that you think about how God views you and what God wants for you. It says, let them all say that the Lord is great and he delights. Everybody say delights. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. Don't think dollars. That's part of it. That's not all of it. Let me say it another way. Is that God delights in the blessing of his servant. That actually means, uh, this word prosperity here is actually defined as well-being. Which includes your health, wealth, peace, favor. The list goes on and on and on. That's a few of the words that that actually defines that. So I think most of you just missed a really good spot to say amen, by the way. So I'm going to repeat this and let me tell you why. You're like, why do we say amen? Let me tell you. The word amen means so be it unto me. So some of you actually don't believe that God wants to bless you or that God will bless you. I'm going to say this again in a moment. I'm going to ask you to say amen. And what you're saying is I'll receive that. I'm going to take that as a word for me. Sometimes we want, um, you know, big moments in church where, like, I got a word from God. (laughs) If you are looking for a word from God today, boom, there you go. So the question is not if you get a word. The question is, will you receive it? Will you mix faith with the word that is being communicated so that it can produce in your life? So I'm going to give you another shot. Everybody ready? I need to be blown away, by the way, in this. So when we're talking about blessing or prosperity, as this verse says, the Bible says that God delights in the prosperity of his servant. So your prosperity is your well-being, which includes your health, your wealth, your peace, and your favor. Not quite blown away, but it was good. (laughs) So now, when you walk out of here, don't say anything different than that. You've got to change the way that you think. God delights when you prosper. God delights when you're blessed. He's not angry. He's not wondering, well, how did they do that? It came from him. When we're talking about uh, really where blessing comes from, it comes from the Lord. There's no strings attached. Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. You're like, what is that? It's the word of God. Your Bible is the law. And it says, look, if you'll meditate on it, if you'll think about it, 
It says that this person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season. Other translations say it this way, that yield fruit in every season. I want to be a person that yields fruit in every season, not just certain seasons. I want to do it in every season. It says, and whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do prospers. Blessed is the one who doesn't walk in the way of the world, but walks in the ways of God. That's how I would paraphrase that verse. Those verses right there. And it says, you're going to be like a well-watered tree. Everything around you may be dying, but you're going to be an oasis in the middle of the desert. And people are going to want to say, what are you doing? I'm not doing anything. The Lord is blessing me. Proverbs 28, 14. Give you a couple of scriptures as I'm wrapping up this morning. It says, overjoyed is the one who with a tender heart trembles before the Lord. Let me say that another way. Blessed is the one who has a tender heart before the Lord. This verse contrasts two different types of hearts. And there's two different types of experiences that come from it as well. Passion translation says, overjoyed is the one with a tender heart who trembles before the Lord. It says, but the stubborn, the unyielding heart will experience even greater evil. The message translation says, a tender hearted person lives a blessed life and a hard hearted person lives a hard life. We can choose. I mean, the, the Lord said it this way to Joshua. Joshua 24 says, Today I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. My choice is that you would choose life, but it's up to you. The choice is yours. God sets it before us. Blessing, cursing, which one you want? Choose life. Don't be hard-hearted. Don't be, as some would say, thick-headed. Stubborn. Be tender before the Lord. And just say, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? What do you want to do with my finances? What do you want to do with me? What do you have for me? I want to walk in your blessings. So there may be some areas of my life that I need to adjust, that I need to change. That's just a nice way of saying repent of. To repent of something means to turn away from it. I was doing this. I'm going to repent and I'm going to go in a different direction. Not all things that are holding us back are just obviously overtly sinful things. But there may be little things that are, that are holding you up. I mean, like, let's make it real practical. It might be a TV show. That every time you watch it, you just get that little something. You're like, mm, but you watch it anyways. That's the Holy Spirit trying to say, hey, turn the channel. Like, oh, God doesn't care about that. Overjoyed is the one with a tender heart before the Lord. Maybe there's an influence. Maybe there's something. I don't know what it is. It's between you and the Lord. But when we have a tender heart, when we not just 
feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit, but when we actually obey it, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's not trying to keep anything from us. He actually has a lot for us. A lot of really good things in store and a lot of really good things in mind. One of the things for me was a couple of friends that I had. I've shared that before. That It took me way too long to separate myself from them. But it was a decision that I had to make. And you may be in relationship with people. It's like, hey, it's, you got to cut that relationship off. I would encourage you and, you know, we'll, we'll begin next week. And as I said, it, you know, we're getting ready to step into 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is a great time to take some evaluation, some inventory of your life. You know, this week I would encourage you. Each day we're going to give you some tips and pointers and little thing about fasting. You can look on our social media. We'll try to get it emailed out to you as well. But take this week and be like, Lord, what do I need to lay aside for these three weeks? It's 21 days. It's not as long as you think. And if you can't lay something down for 21 days, that tells you how much of a priority it is in your life anyways. So it might mean more to you than you realize it does. But take this week and begin to ask the Lord, what do I need to lay aside for these 21 days? What do you want me to, to set aside? What's not as important to me as you? I want to seek you from a, from a pure heart, from a, 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 a tender heart. And during that 21 days, I believe you stay open to the Lord and just say, God, what are you speaking to me? I, I want to hear your voice. Some of you are like, I've never heard. I've never. You talk about hearing the voice of God. It's not up here. It's. It's almost like a thought, but it ain't my thought. That's the normal. If I've ever heard the voice of God, it might have been one time, maybe. And I'm not even positive on that, like audibly, out loud. I'm not certain, but, but when I talk about hearing the voice of God, it's not because I'm a pastor, it's because I'm a child of God just like you. And he's a daddy and he wants to talk to you. It says he, he, that we're to be led as sons and daughters of, the, of God. He wants to lead us. By the Holy Spirit who's living on the inside of you. How can you follow a guide if you can't hear him? And these 21 days may be training ground for you to learn how to recognize the leading of the Lord. There may be some things out of this 21 days that the Lord just takes desires away completely. And you're like, you know, I'm not even interested in those things anymore. And God will just remove them. And there may be some things that God says, hey, I don't ever want you to add this back to your life. When I like legitimately got saved, I was 17 years old. I was just finished my junior year of high school going into my senior year. I had an encounter with God. And my mom told me this several years later. She said, you want to know how I knew that you were, that something was different? I'm, I'm a curious person. I said, Absolutely. And she said, because ESPN wasn't as important to you anymore. Now, I still like sports. I still watch football. I still, but it didn't consume my life the way that it had. I know some of you ladies don't understand watching sports center three times in a row. You're like, it's the same show. They've already said this. But there are some things that are more important in life than the things that we're distracted by. So the purpose of these 21 days is to get us focused, 
to help us get focused on what God wants for us so that we can open up the, the, the avenues and the ways for God to bless us in a greater way. And so if you'll approach this 21 days with an open heart saying, Lord, what do you want? I believe God will bless your life. And I don't mean just in the physical realm. I mean in your soul, in your spirit. I believe God will will do some things in your heart and in your life that will be a great blessing. And that, you know, we actually actually had them say it in church news this morning. I don't know if you caught it, but I'm going to say it again. Is that this will be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. That's the only way you're guaranteed to have a better year this year. If this is your best year spiritually, it doesn't mean that trials won't come. doesn't mean that you won't face opposition. But at the end of the day, we are victorious. Why? Because the Bible declares that we are more than conquerors in Christ. We're trusting in him. And, and, and with God, we win. As long as we're following him. And so I want to pray this morning.